David Tum, look at that. I even got his notes here. Okay, it's going to be a good message today, guys. Keep yourself tuned in there. Wow, goodness me. A bit of fighting in there, and I don't want to give his message away. Today we've got a, a, a great honour, a couple who have been among us, that are actually returning to the UK. And uh, Ronnie Leone Willian, if you'd like to come out, we're going to pray for you. And we've got a small gift for you. Ron and Leonia have been a good part of our church. Yeah, that's good. Give them a clap as they come forward, yeah. They've been a good part of our church, and uh, Ron has always been there, uh, ready to help. And, of course, Leonie there, without a, a good woman, there's no good man. So, And that's the truth. And I'll even say that to young David Humberstone. Impart some wisdom here. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. Okay, I'll tell you later, Kerry. <laughs> so there's a, a, a gift there for you. And we do have a card here, so you who do know how wonderful this couple are, this is going to be in the foyer for a, a little bit longer, so you can go and sign that uh, and uh, wish them uh, God bless. And uh, so um, on the card it says, um, God must have more people for you to bless. And I believe that would be true. So, um, so let's uh, reach out your hands and we'll pray for this couple. Almighty God, we know, uh, Lord, uh, that you regard this uh, couple highly, Lord God. There's a great prophetic word upon their life, Lord God. And uh, God, uh, a move of your Holy Spirit in their life, Lord God. And we pray right now, Lord God, in Jesus' name, that as this couple go, Lord God, into their future, Lord God, that, uh, God, it, uh, they go with the blessing of this church and this people, Lord God. And God, that they go, Lord God, knowing that they're stepping into your future. And so, God, we pray your blessing and guidance for them right now and their family. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Excellent. So, that's really good. We are running really, really ahead of schedule today. So, you've got two options. One, I can preach for an hour. Or two, we can have an early market about quarter past 11. Who votes the one hour? Both of you. Who votes the early mark? Okay, that's a few more. Well, I'll ask the Holy Spirit. No, he wants, actually, he wants me to go overtime, so. Uh, I'll, maybe I'll read an entire psalm. So if you want to turn to Psalm 119, and I'll just do my introduction. For those who don't know, Psalm 119 is the longest verse in the Bible, scripture in the Bible. I'm not really going to read it, so you can chill out. No need to be that disappointed. It's not going to be that happy that I'm not going to... Anyway, can't win. Well, that's good because you can't win. So it's got to do with my sermon. Like, how's everyone doing? Has everyone had a good Sunday so far? You know, it is good to be in the house of God on a Sunday morning. Is it the first day or the last day of the week? Depending on how you look at it, I like to say it's the first day of the week. And this is the best time. This is the best thing to do to start your week. Uh, just another quick announcement before we get started is tonight we've got our uh, L5 uh, meeting that's our church leadership team meeting so if you are a leader in this house or a key volunteer or you serve um, you serve on some sort of roster music team or children's or cafe or anything I uh, would really love you to come uh, to our meeting tonight it's at six o'clock in the youth auditorium uh, it's just where pastor Mike comes and he shares some vision uh, does some housekeeping and stuff like that so it's a really good time to come and connect and be together so six o'clock tonight in the other auditorium, have I officially made that announcement? Everyone's heard it? 
So tonight, 6 o'clock, leaders meeting. Has everyone heard it? Yes. Good. So no one's going to forget. No one's going to go, I didn't know because now you do know. Excellent. I bought a new shirt yesterday. You like it? Nice and clean. My other one did have holes in it. So, pardon? It's from Tajay. It's a Shane Warne spinner shirt, apparently, which is good. Anyway, I better get on with it because I, I like to chat. But who has ever been in a fight you couldn't win? Anyone? Like all the husbands are keeping their hands down, but really, you know you've got to have your hand up. Put your hand up. If you've ever been in a fight, you know you can't win. I've learned, like, I'm no pro at marriage or anything like that, but I know this. I can win a fight or I can be happy. I can win a fight or I can be happy. So that's, that's just, but who, you know, who's ever been, or maybe you're in high school and someone's picking on you, and you know what, you've been in a fight you can't win. What I'm about to say will, will shock you. It, it'll probably change your perspective on a lot of things. In fact, what I'm about to say will probably amaze you, and, and I don't think you'll believe me, but in high school... I wasn't the popular guy. True. I was not the popular guy. In fact, I was, I was probably the guy that everyone picked on. We go, oh, poor Dave. I know. <laughs> I'm still dealing that, dealing with it, you know. But, but I wasn't necessarily the popular guy at school, you know. But you know what? You know, when you're not the popular guy at school, you're the picked on guy at school. See, I was the picked on guy at school. You see, I was the Christian kid. Everyone thought they'd tease the Christian kid. And, you know, growing up, you know, I don't know if you know, but I'm a pretty quiet, shy sort of guy. But in high school, it wasn't like that. See, I was ADD, triple D, quadruple D plus. Dude, I was a crazy kid. You know what I mean? I was like, my mum, up until I was about 13 years old, would never let me have chocolate for Easter. Never. She gave me carob. Carob's like, you know, that's like girl's blouse chocolate. It's rubbish, you know what I mean? My mum, because if I had a smarty, she just reckons I'd go troppo. And you see, my dad's cure for ADD was get to your room, you're about to get a smack. And it actually worked, you know. So anyway, so, anyway, so, so I wasn't the popular guy. Anyway, this guy at school, his name was Tip. Everyone go, Tip. Tip. And Tip wanted to fight me. I don't know, because I'm such a nice guy. Maybe because I wasn't popular and he wanted to be tough. But Tip wanted to get in a fight with me. And he said, Humby, I'm going to fight you. I said, no, don't fight me. I don't like fighting. He said, I'm going to fight. I was like, oh, no. So anyway, me and Tip went to the bike racks after school one afternoon. Because you always fight at the bike racks. Is that right? Like, tons of things. Technology's changed over the years and all that. But kids still ride bikes to school and you always fight near the bike racks. So anyway, so we were at the bike racks after school and everyone crowded around because Tip was the popular guy and I wasn't the popular guy. Everyone's cheering, Tip, 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 Tip. They go, boo, humby. So anyway, you know, Tip's, Tip's got his, his, his hands up and you see, I don't know how to fight, so I'm like, you know, I'm not, I'm not, in fact, I even had a spa with Shani the other day for a muck around and she smashed me. And uh, you see, I've you know, just, just been in fights I couldn't win. So anyway, so I was just like, oh, dear Jesus, please help me. I know I'm not supposed to fight, but God, I mean, come on, he's going to fight me. So anyway, so Tip's, you know, he's got, uh, Tip is bigger than me. Tip is stronger. Tip is more popular. And Tip's a good fighter. He's like a Kiwi boy. You see me, I'm just this white little weedy little kid who can't pack a punch to save his life. Anyway, so Tip's facing up. Anyway, so I thought, oh, you know what? I've just got to give it a go. So what I did right, this is one of my crowning moments at high school, no, primary school actually, is I grabbed Tip by the shirt, I swung my leg around and kicked his foot. He got horizontal in the air, fell to the ground and cried. 
I looked at him and I said, that's right. That's how I roll. Who's ever been in a fight you couldn't win? You know, who's ever faced a situation that you didn't think you'd be able to get out of and it scared the life out of you? Growing up, I grew up in Mandra, um, and every year there was crabbing season and we go crabbing every year. Anyone done that? It's so much fun and basically you'd catch these big crabs. Anyway, we went crabbing one night. Anyway, and, and I have a little sister and I pick on my little sister a lot. That's just what you do when you're a big brother. So we went crabbing and she's in the shower one night after crabbing. And I thought, you know what would be really funny? Is if I got a crab and chucked it in the bathroom. <laughs> yeah, it's as funny as it sounds. So anyway, she's in the shower and I creep the door open. I push the crab in and, and close the door. And, and I'm hiding around the back, you know, hiding by the, by the bathroom door. Bathroom, the shower turns off, right? She's about nine years old. She opens the shower screen and you just hear this blood-curdling scream. Like everyone just drops everything. Mum's dropping pans, running to the bathroom. You know, my, my big brother's there. We open the door. You see my sister standing on top of the sink while this crab, it's a dead crab as well, while this crab's on the ground. So mum's in there. She's trying to help him. My dad's trying to tell me off, but he's laughing as well. And then my brother's just patting me on the back thinking, that is the funniest thing I've ever seen in my life. But here's the thing is, you know what, we all face situations in life and battles where we just think we can never win. We've been in circumstances where we think like it's the end of the world. You know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a young man, I've got a wife and I've got a son. Um, I, I, you know, I, I own my own house. Well, I've got a mortgage, which is not owning my house. Bank West owns my house and, and they let me live in there and pay them a lot of money. And uh, you see, so I've got different pressures in my life. You know, I'm a pastor. And there's all these different things I face in life. And you know what? Sometimes, although it's hard, I have to fight and I can't give up. Because giving up, you know, sometimes means, you know, I'll lose my house. Or giving up means, means maybe my son will grow up not loving Jesus. You know, there's things in life which we can never, never, never give up on. You know, we have to fight. Life has its challenges, but God's got a plan and a purpose for your life and you can't give up. 1 Corinthians 15 verse 57 says, But thanks be to God, for he gives us the victory through the Lord Jesus Christ. Ephesians 6 verse 12, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against spiritual forces in heavenly realms. There's a fight, but we can win through Christ who gives us the victory. You know, we've been studying, uh, Pastor Mike's been preaching, we're just continuing on with this, the, 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 uh, the theme of spiritual warfare. You know, Pastor Mike's been saying some really good points. And here's the thing I know about spiritual warfare, is that when I'm starting to get closer to God, when I begin to do a fast, or, or when I feel God's doing something in my life, life does not get easier. And I know it sounds contrary, you know, oh, I'm just on the cloud, loving Jesus, you know, worshipping God, everything's just honky-dory. And all of a sudden, something happens, some situation happens in your life, and it, it, it's like there, it's there to make you lose perspective on the real issue. And today, I just want to encourage you, you know, it's not overly spiritual or deep what I'm going to talk to you about today, but what I want to share today is what I believe is critical to us making it through. It's critical us to fighting the battles of life. Because here's the thing, we can come to church on a Sunday morning, be in the cloud, have a great service, but you still got to go home and face the problems. 
You know what? You can have your weekend and spend time with God or, or, or listen to a worship CD on your way to work. But here's the thing. You've still got to go to work and fight work's issues. You know, maybe you're having some, some problems with your kids. You can't just come to church and, and, and forget completely about it. Kids, you've got to go home and deal with your kids. Is, is that true or not? Am I the only one that has life here? These are the things that happen. You see, but I want to do a challenge today. You see, if we all face battles. If you're a student, you've got exams. If you're a businessman, you've got the battle of finance and, and paying staff and all that. You know, if I know, I don't know a lot about business, but I know that over the past couple of years, especially in America, business has been difficult. But it's still a battle you've got to fight. If you're single, maybe you've got to fight loneliness and you just, oh, dear Jesus, give me a wife or a husband. Anyone agree with that? Okay, they're keeping their hands down. <laughs> you know, depression, sickness, unemployment, what's your fight? What is the thing that you're battling today? And you know, here's the thing. I know everyone's got something. Everyone's got a battle. And some of you it's more, some of you it's less, some of you they're big, some of you they're small. But every single person here has a battle they're fighting. See, a survey was done in America and they surveyed about 100 families over 10 years. And what they discovered that 10% of the time things were going well. 10% of the time is when life was in order, everyone was healthy, work was good, 10% of the time. The other 90% of the time, there was some sort of significant crisis going on. And you know what? It doesn't change if you're a Christian. It doesn't change if you're a passionate, Jesus-loving church attender. You see, being a Christian isn't a pleasure cruise. Being a Christian is like living on a battleship. And the biggest lie the enemy will tell you, the biggest lie the devil will say to you is like, you know what? This should be easy. Just chill out. Don't fight anymore. The biggest lie the enemy will tell you, go, you know what? If church is just a little bit hard, if raising your kids the way the Bible tells you to is a little bit difficult, if being a godly husband is, is just harder because we all know, you know, and I'm not except for my wife, we all know women can be a little bit crazy and unreasonable at times. You know what? You don't have to do the right thing all the time. You can just let go every now and then. Relax. Just enjoy life. Don't worry about fighting. It's the biggest lie the enemy can give you. Because if he can convince you to not be a backslidden Christian, to not be a passionate Christian, but to be a lukewarm one, if he can get you in that place where you've just given up, you're simply attending church. You're simply just going through the routine. If he can get you in that place, he's got you right where he wants you to be. God, I just thank you so much for the opportunity to come and share um, this morning. God, we know that uh, you're in control of everything. And God, this morning, I just uh, pray that we'd submit ourselves to your will. God, anything of my flesh would fall on deaf ears, but God, your word would sink deep into people's hearts. God, you're in control. We love you. We need you. You're in charge of everything. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. If you want to turn your Bibles to 2 Samuel chapter 23. Now, this is one of my favorite stories. Well, these are a couple of my favorite dudes in the Bible. And the Bible, man, is gory like it's awesome like if they made a bible particularly on the new on the old testament but if they made a realistic bible story video it would be it'd have a pretty high it i don't know if they'd even be allowed to show it do you know it is gory like there's stories where 10 pegs getting rammed through dudes heads and and, and one prophet cut up a woman and, and sent her body 
parts and all that. It's crazy anyway. Getting off topic. 2 Samuel chapter 23, and I'm going to start at verse uh, 8, reading to verse 12. It says, These are the names of David's mighty men. Josheb, Josheb Bashadeth, a Tehikimanite, was chief of the three. He raised his spear against 800 men whom he killed in one encounter. Did you see what I said? He raised his spear against 800 men whom he killed in one encounter. Rambo. Next to him was Eleazar, son of Dodai the Ahoite. As one of the three mighty men, he was with David when they taunted the Philistines gathered at Pastamin for battle. The men of, uh, then the men of Israel retreated. But he stood his ground and struck down the Philistine till his hand grew tired and froze to the sword. The Lord brought about a great victory that day. The troops returned to Eleazar, but only to strip the dead. And this is my favourite dude. Verse number 11. It says, Next to him was Shammah, son of Agi the Harite. When the Philistines banded together at a place where there was a field of lentils, Israel's troops fled from them. But Shammah took his stand in the middle of the field. He defended it and he struck the Philistines down. And the Lord brought about a great victory that day. I just want to have a look at these dudes and chat a bit about them and, and, and just get some insight into their situation and, and what they're going through. But, dude, these guys are crazy. Like, first we've got, the first guy we've got is Joseph Bashadath. Probably pronouncing the name wrong, but I'm not a Hebrew scholar, so fair crack of the whip, don't have a dig at me. But his thing, his big thing is he raised, he had a spear, 800 men, and he smashed them. Like, he didn't just smash them. He killed him. Like, you know, we can just read over this and think, oh, that's a lovely story. But it's not a lovely story. It's completely gruesome and disgusting. Like, uh, uh, one of my, a really cool movie, and I'm not telling you to go to watch it, but if you've seen the movie 300, anyone seen the movie 300? It's awesome. And it's basically really buff guys, heavy metal music, and lots of killing. That's, that's basically the storyline, isn't it? They've got to protect their land and they just, they're just fighting and heads getting chopped off and stabbing and all this sort of stuff. There's no kids in here, is there? Sorry. Anyway. But it's all like, it's just gross. And that's exactly what's going on here. We've got, we got um, this guy and he's a spear. And just imagine the fight. Like, honestly, let's just try picture it for a second. He's got a spear and he's, he's ramming a dude that way and he's going to back and ram and do that when he gets and he gets like four dudes on at a time as a skewer and he's he's pushing it back and he beats 800 dudes in a fight i don't know i don't know about you but if i've got 800 guys wanting to fight me i'm not going to stay and fight i'm going to run or i'm going to join their team <laughs> i'm not that stupid but this guy he's crazy man but but one of the things i reckon about this guy is Joseph, is that I believe he was a trained fighter. I believe he knew what his job was and his job was to be a warrior. When it comes to battle, he knows this is what I live for. I live to fight. He was trained. He was focused. It's the thing he was born to do. I like the scene in 300 where they have this other army that wants to join the goodies, 300 men. And they say, we want to come and fight with you. And, and the leader of the... What's his name? The leader of the 300... Well, anyway, he says, he says, you, can't, you cannot fight with us. And he says, but we want to. We want to fight. And he turns to him and he said, what's your trade? And one of them says, I'm a blacksmith. 
He goes, well, what's your trade? And the other one says, well, uh, I, I, I'm, a, I'm, a, uh, I'm a carpenter. And then he turns to his men and he says, Spartans, what is your trade? And they go, war, 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 or something like that, you know, because they knew that is their thing to do, is their trade is to fight. And you see, the thing is, I like this guy, and he's probably the same situation. His job is to fight. He knows exactly. But I did a bit of study, a bit of further study into this guy, and I looked at his name. Joshab Bashadath means dwelling in rest. So here we've got a mighty warrior, a buff guy. You know, some dude that you obviously don't want to mess with because you're one guy, he's one guy. He killed 800 men. He'll probably snap you with a flick of his finger. But his name means dwelling in rest. You see, I find that significant. And the reason I find that significant is because he's doing mighty things in the name of God. He's one of the mightiest men and he can fight, he can fight 800 men in one encounter. But his name itself means dwelling in rest. And here's the conclusion I come to from this. Is that you can't be all God's called you to be. You can't fight the battles God's called you to fight. You can't live the life that God's called you to live if you're not taking that time to dwell in his rest. If you're not taking that time to sit, read his word and just spend time praying with him. It doesn't have to be a lot. It doesn't have to be, you know, two, three, four hours a day. But it simply needs to be some time where you're sitting going, God, I just need your input into my life at the moment. Dwelling in rest. Isaiah 40, verse 30 to 31, one of my favorite scriptures. It says, even youths grow tired and weary and young men stumble at fall. But those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. They'll rise on wings of eagles. They'll run and not grow weary. They'll walk and not grow faint. Dwelling in rest. Second is Eliezer. Do you mind if I have a drink quickly? Talking a lot and just chat amongst yourselves. All right. Next to him was Eliezer. And Eliezer, he's just as crazy. In fact, I think Eliezer is probably the craziest out of the three guys, and I'll, I'll tell you why. Next to him was Eliezer, son of Dodai, the Ahoite. As one of the three mighty men, he was with David when they taunted the Philistines, um, gathered at Pastamin for battle, Then the men, and then the men of Israel retreated. See, they were there for the taunting, but not for the fight. But he stood his ground and struck down the Philistines till his hand grew tired and froze to the sword. The Lord brought about a great victory that day. The troops returned to Eliezer, only to strip the dead. Now, what was significant about this is he wasn't just there for a fight. He picked the fight. It says he taunted the enemy. Now, I, I, I did a study of the Greek and the Hebrew and I sat through a lecture to study this and I come to the conclusion that taunt means tease. And he went and picked the fight. He didn't just see him and go, ooh, baddies. He said, ooh, baddies, let's go pick a fight. Let's go smash him. That's what he did. Like, have you seen the, the scene in Braveheart where, you know, the, the two armies, the Scottish and the other dudes, the English, and they go, uh, you know, he goes, they say, where are you going? He goes, I'm going to pick a fight, you know, to the army. And then they turn around and what do they do with their kilts? They lift them and they moon the enemy. They're taunting the enemy. This is exactly what Eliezer did. He taunted the enemy. He teased them. So not only would they, you know, they probably already wanted, already wanted to fight him, now he's just made him angry, made him want to fight him even more. You see, but Eliezer, he's just a crazy, crazy dude. And like the Bible says that he, he fought until his hand froze to the sword. 
Now, he's killing hundreds and hundreds of guys. His hand didn't freeze to the sword. All the blood probably formed a massive scab around his hand and he could not simply get out of it. Like, he's probably in a puddle of blood. It's disgusting. Like, I know you're thinking, David, this sermon's gross, but it's the Bible. That's what the Bible says. And you see, that's what Eliezer did. And I sort of looked at Eliezer's story and, and what he's about. And I believe it's the same situation. Eliezer was a born warrior. He was born to fight. His job was to fight. He knew what it was. He was focused and he knew no matter what, the Philistines aren't getting what's God's. He says, I'm going to fight. And even if everyone else isn't there, I'm still going to fight. You see, Eliezer's name, Eliezer was an Ahoite. To be an Ahoite means, you ready for this? Brother of rest. Brother of rest. Now, I just think it's significant that both these guys, first Joseph's name means rest. And Eliezer's an Ahoite, and to be an Ahoite means to be a brother of rest. Matthew 11 verse 28 says, Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. I want to just challenge you today. I think we're too busy not to pray. I think we're too busy not to pray. You know what, and if you're finding it hard, maybe just get up just that little bit earlier, 10 minutes earlier, or maybe go to bed just that little bit later, find a space in the day, but I think you're too busy not to pray. Because these guys had insurmountable things to face. They had battles to fight in the natural they could not win. But because they took time to rest with God, because they let God... It didn't say that they brought about a great victory. It says the Lord brought about a great victory that day. See, what's your battle? What's the thing you're facing? What's the challenge in your life? And I just want to say this. I think you're too busy not to pray. And last we have Shammah. Now, Shammah's my favorite dude. We've got Josheb, probably the toughest dude. Eliezer, he's definitely the most tapped, craziest dude. And then we got Shammah. Next to him was Shammah, son of Agi, the Harite. When the Philistines banded together at a place where there was a field of lentils, Israel's troops fled from them. But Shammah took his stand in the middle of the field. He defended it and struck the Philistines down. And the Lord brought about a great victory that day. Now, I just want to ask the question right now is, why did he face the enemy? And the other question I want to ask is, why did the rest of his army flee? Now, I don't know about you, but I think if your entire army flees... You're facing a battle that you cannot win. And they're looking at the enemy. But I reckon Shammah made the decision that whether I live or whether I die, I'm going to die defending this lentil plot. A lentil plot? What the heck are lentils? All I know about lentils is when I'm doing like a Daniel's fast and I'm eating only fruit and veg and stuff like that, I have like lentil soup and it's gross. Lentils. He defended a lentil field. But I think it was more than a lentil field. To him, it was God's lentil field. And it was the lentil field God made him defend. And he stood there and I think he simply made the decision, I'm not giving up. He let, he let giving up, he let walking away, he made that be a decision he would never, ever, ever make. I think that's amazing. He said, he brought, God brought about another great victory. Why? Because someone said, doesn't matter what happens, I'm defending what God has me to defend. You see, your challenge at the moment, what you're going through means you have something to defend. If there was nothing to defend, the challenge wouldn't really matter. 
If there wasn't something you had to fight for, then the challenge doesn't really matter. But the fact that you know, I've got to fight this, I can't give up, means there's something worth fighting for. And you know what? You may think it's as insignificant as a lentil field, but it's God's call on your life. It's the thing God's got you to do. But I like this guy's name, and it's different to the others. It means loss, desolation, and astonishment. Did you hear that? Loss, desolation, and astonishment. What's significant is he's there ready to fight, and everyone else runs away and leaves him by himself. His army abandons him. The people he's leading, who he thought were there to support him no matter what, abandon him. The friends he had, the ones he shared dinner with the night before, had abandoned him. And I don't know if they loved him or hated him. I don't know what was going through the heads. But all I know is that in the time of crisis, the people he thought he could depend on had gone. And I don't need to be a prophet. I don't need to have great insight to know that some of us have been through circumstances and situations where the people we thought were going to be there to the end left us. They let us down. Maybe you're facing a divorce at the moment. And you're like, God, you know, I'm a Christian. I love you. I don't want to get divorced. I don't believe in divorce. And there's a situation and you just feel abandoned and let down. Maybe you're a child in the midst of a divorce or I don't know what's going on. Maybe you're brokenhearted. I don't know. But all I know, there's something going on in some people's hearts where you feel I can't get through anymore. But I just want to challenge you. One, you're too busy not to pray. And I also just want to say that it doesn't matter what's going on that God's got a plan for your life. And that though everyone else may have let you down, he will never let you down. What's your fight and how are you fighting? Again, Matthew eleven twenty eight says, Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. I don't know the answer to your problem. I'm not going to get up here and tell you I'm going to give you a word that will change your life because I believe that's the biggest preacher lie ever because nothing I say will change your life. Nothing I do will change your life. You'll only be changed by the renewing of your mind. But what I want to do today is I want to give you a tip that I believe is the first answer. It's the first step to you facing that situation. And it's simple. It's, it's nothing amazing. But I, leave, I believe the best thing you can do at the moment is dwell in rest. And to make that applicable and simple and, and easy for us, for the next seven days, I just want to ask you to take ten minutes... Ten minutes isn't a lot, but ten minutes of still is a lot. Take ten minutes, read a chapter of your Bible, maybe read one psalm, maybe read the same psalm over and over again. Maybe read the Proverbs or, or maybe read one of the Gospels, but just take ten minutes, read a chapter and just sit there and just let God speak to you. You don't need to be spiritual, oh thou Father in heaven. Lord, we just pray for the, the missionaries and... I'll pray for the missionaries. But what I'm saying is you have a conversation with God. Have a conversation with God about you. God, you know the struggles I'm going through. God, I need your help. And let God speak to you. Ten minutes. That's all I'm asking. You know what? And if you'll find, you know what, this works for me, then keep doing it. I'm not saying seven days and then give up. I'm saying if you find this works for you, then do it. For me, sometimes I have to go for a walk because if I'm sitting in my house... You know, I'll need to pick up Jai's clothes or something. But I need to find something that helps me just focus on God. Sometimes even doing the dishes. I know that's weird and I know it's wrong for a man to do the dishes. But sometimes 
doing the dishes is, is, is just a great way for me to tune out and just tune into God. Put my, <laughs> put my iPod on and listen. Just 10 minutes. 10 minutes. And I reckon I was reading in my, uh, just when I got up this morning and we got this little journal, I was reading it. And I just thought this little story was really cool, you know, about what we're talking about today. And, and it was talking about a farmer and his wife. And basically they, they bought these two-way radios so they could communicate to each other while, they were, while, he was in the, while he was in the shed or the farm and, and she was at home or shops or whatever. So anyway, every now and then he'd walk in and he'd laugh at her and he'd walk over and he'd change the station on her two-way because she was tuned into the wrong station. And he said, you've got to be tuned into the right station so we can communicate to each other. And I believe that's so significant with our relationship with God is we've got to be tuned in to the right channel so we can communicate with God. And I personally believe one of the, the most significant channels for God, I believe God's love language, is time. He just wants to spend some time with you. Here's the thing. He doesn't need it. We do. He doesn't need you to give him insight. In fact, did you know if God asks you a question, he's asking because you need to ask the question because he knows the answer. Just 10 minutes a day. If you want to open your Bibles, and I'm just going to read um, Psalm 91. That's a bit loud. Just turn it down a bit. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys. Psalm 91. It says, He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Surely He will save you from the foulest snare and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with His feathers and under His wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your, be your shield and rampart. You will not fear the terror of night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midday. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but will not come near you. You will only observe with your eyes and see the punishment of the wicked. If you make the Most High your dwelling, even the Lord who is your, my refuge, then no harm will befall you. No disaster will come near your tent. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all, in all your ways. They will lift you in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. You will tread upon the lion and the cobra. You will trample the great lion and the serpent. But because he loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue him. I will protect him, for he acknowledges my name. He will call upon me, and I will answer him. I'll be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Just going back to the last guy, Shammah. We talked about his name. It means lost desolation and astonishment. He was abandoned. He had no one to turn to. But in my study of this scripture, I, like if you know a bit about the Hebrew language, you know there's these different names for God. Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Nisi, Jehovah Jireh means God is my provider. And one of the names for God is Jehovah Shammah. Same name, same spelling, Jehovah Shammah. 
You see, but Jehovah Shammah doesn't necessarily mean lost desolation and astonishment anymore. Jehovah Shammah means God is there. So in the midst of your abandonment, amidst of your frustration, in the midst of whatever situation you're fighting, if you would put God in that situation, if you would put His name in front of your name, if you would let His Word speak into that situation, then the Lord is there and He will get you through. You see, He can turn hopelessness, His name can turn hopelessness into hope. His name can turn brokenness into healing. His Word can turn frustration into breakthrough. His Word can turn loneliness into joy. His Word can turn depression into breakthrough. You see, His name can make the impossible possible. No name is greater than His name. No breakthrough, no God is greater than our God. No situation is bigger than Him. There's no higher heights nor deeper sea where God cannot rescue you. You see, the $10, the $100 problem you're facing today, and I don't know your issue, this is an example, but if you're facing a $100 problem today, God wants to deliver you from that situation because in time to come, there's going to be a $10,000 problem. And He needs to give you the strength in the little things to face the bigger problems. And then Holy Spirit, one day it could be a million dollar problem. But He's got to get you to be able to fight that battle at the hundred dollars so you can fight that battle at the million dollars. Maybe you've got some issues with your kids at the moment. They're five years old, I don't know, but maybe that's it. And God's saying you need to do it right now because this issue at five years will be significantly different than the issue at 15 years old. But if you deal with it right now, then God's going to give you the capacity to be able to break through that situation. His name is greater than any other name. Buddha, not Allah, not Julia Gillard or Barack Obama can save your situation, can bring you through and will even give you the time of day you need, but He will. His name is greater than any other name. I just have every head bowed and every eye closed right now. God, you know the situations. God, you know the challenges. God, you know what each and every person is going through in this place tonight, this morning, Father. And right now, I just believe there's an anointing right now for God to bring breakthrough in those situations. See, what's significant about Shammah is he still had to fight. He still bore the scars of that battle. He still had to go and pull his sword out. But he came out of that battle bigger, better, stronger and wiser than before. And that's what God wants to do in your situation. So right now, if there's a challenge you're facing, you know what, and if we're humble enough, I reckon most people would be facing this situation right now. And you just need to say to God, and speaking figuratively, devil, you can't get my lentil field. And what you're saying is, devil, you can't, get, you can't touch my finances. You can't touch my marriage. You can't touch my kids. You can't touch my exams. You can't touch what's happening at work. Devil, you can try. But my God will set me free. So right now, I just pray, whatever your challenge is, if you just want to make a commitment today, devil, you can't have it. It's mine. 
and you're willing to commit to 10 minutes a day, maybe more, maybe just a little bit less, I don't know, but you're willing to commit to that because you need to get God's perspective on the matter. And I'm going to ask you to stand and we're going to pray. And I count to three, if that's you, and just stand, just lift your hands and we're about to pray. One, two, three. If you know how to pray in tongues, maybe just lift your hands, just begin to pray in tongues. If you don't know how to pray in tongues, just just begin to pray. God, you're Lord of my situation. God, you're Lord of my circumstance. God, you're number one. God, take control. Lord, take control. God, we just pray over every attack of the enemy right now. God, I pray where there's been depression. God, where there's been overwhelming sadness and discouragement. God, where there's been relationship breakdown. God, where there's been injury or sickness. God, where there's been significant financial pressure. God, where there's been discouragement. God, I just pray for your perspective on the matter right now. God, the situation's not going to change. But God, our trust, God, our faith faith, God, our perspective will. And God will all of a sudden see that God has got His hand on this situation. All I need to do is be faithful. And God, I pray that over the next couple of weeks, God, as we just commit to spending time with You, God, just dwelling in Your rest, God, although the situation will stay, God, I pray our resolve would grow stronger and stronger each day. Lord, I pray for kids that have turned away from You. God, I pray that they would turn back. God, I just pray, Holy Spirit, for businesses that are struggling, God, as they put you first, God, I pray for breakthrough in that situation for the display of your splendor. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, God, I pray where the doctor has spoken a negative word, God, I pray it would be a word and not a sentence. And God, we'd understand that you are stronger, that you have the ability to overcome this. God, grant us wisdom. Jesus' name. Have the band up. Just keep your iPod playing. If the band could just come up right now. She just continue to pray. I just want to ask right now as well. If you don't know Jesus, you've heard me preach and tell the funny stories and read the Bible, and you kind of haven't really understood what I'm on about, but what you know is there's something in this place tonight that you know, this place this morning, that you know you've got to get right in your life. If that's you right now and you want to know this Jesus I'm talking about, the Bible says that if we confess with our hearts, if we confess with our mouth and believe with our hearts that Jesus Christ is Lord and He rose from the dead, then we will be saved. And if you feel, you know what, Dave, I need to be rescued. If that's you right now, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand, raise it high. I'm going to see it. We're going to pray with you. I'm going to count to three. One, two, three. My friends that rose their hand right there. If everyone doesn't mind praying with me with this prayer, uh, just so they feel okay. And if you lifted your hand, and this is the first time you pray, then I just believe you've got to pray this prayer with all your heart. And then God's going to come and He's going to change your life. Your situations may not change, but your reason to get through will. Dear Jesus, I'm sorry 
for the wrong things I've done. And I lay it at your feet. I believe you died on the cross and rose again. And today, I want to make you number one. Come in and take over my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We had two people raise their hands just then. Someone, let's just give them, let's just give them a round of applause. Uh, for you guys that did it, uh, we're going to give you a Bible and, and pray with you afterwards and stuff, but that's really good. So, your enemy has been defeated. Can you play that? Yep. Just for the next five minutes, you know, we've still got 15 minutes for 11.30. Let's sing this song, but let's not sing it, let's believe it. Let this be the declaration. Let this be the challenge. Let this be the start of a new day. You've still got to fight, but there's a reason to get through. Thanks, guys. Death couldn't hold you down Gonna lift our voice in victory Gonna make your praises sound The enemy's been defeated Death couldn't hold you down Gonna lift our voice in victory